Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Yeah, it's so awesome to see people take the necessary steps in their faith to grow as disciples and mature as disciples. They don't take these RIU classes just for the sake of now I'm more knowledgeable, I'm smarter than everybody else, I'm going to tweet some cool things and make some TikTok videos. No. They take it so that they can apply it to their lives and be disciples. And then take what they've learned and grow into evangelists and teachers of the word. So we want to thank Professors Mitch and Rob for all that they commit to and all the work that went into the lessons. And we want to honor those who committed that time to graduate. Amen. Oh, it's so good to be back. Thank you. It's good to be back. That Marion Delta Force thing tried to get me, y'all. And try to come after me. I blame it on myself, though. I was talking way too much stuff. I was like, I'm immune, see? You know, I'm, I'm God's favorite. Like, literally, I said that. And, like, the next day, I was like, <laughs> all bad. He humbled me real quick. But I'm glad we're healthy. Family's healthy. It looks like our church is healthy again. Everybody's back. Like, three weeks ago, this place was a ghost town. I was like, yo, we are, we are down. But we are not out. COVID will not stop a move of God. Amen. Um, our lead pastors, Pastor Eddie and Pastor Roxanne, they are at Reach Bell Gardens today. Uh, so keep them in prayer. They're blessing uh, Reach Bell Gardens over there. Um, I'm glad all you guys are here. I know the game is on the line. I know you guys are anxious to get up out of here. Don't worry. You're going to stay here until the game's over. Because I can't, I can't handle it. I can't. Uh, look, I'm, I'm super excited about this game, but I am nervous as heck. I am a Rams fan. Um, but I'm sweating. I'm, I ain't gonna like sit here and be like, yo, we got this in the back. I'm like, they beat us six times. Six times. But before that, we beat y'all a bunch of times too. So it all gotta come to an end. First of all, I wanna understand this church. We are the church. Let's be the church. Don't start acting like bloods and crips in here. All right? I don't wanna see no bloodshed. Don't let a game destroy the church. We're gonna have a good time. All right. Uh, for the last several weeks, uh, we've been, uh, before I talk about what we've been talking about, um, I want to honor our church this weekend. We had an amazing weekend at this church. This weekend, our men, our men, I'm so excited, I'm so proud of you guys. Do you hear that? That's a fired up army right there. Our, our men committed um, the, the past couple of days. They've been here uh, going through our, re, our rewired teaching, and they just launched uh, a ton of new men's life groups. I'm so proud of them because they made not just a time commitment but also a financial commitment to continue to grow as disciples and grow as men of God and grow as husbands and fathers and sons and brothers. And that's tremendous. And our women's ministry, they, they were here yesterday for a leadership teaching and growing same time, our, our Spanish ministry is here, and they're growing. And it's just been an awesome weekend here on campus. And we want to continue this move of God, that all these things that we are doing on campus and doing in life groups is not just for the sake of we're filling up the calendar, but we're actually growing and maturing as disciples. And we're putting what we're learning into action, that our lives now represent what the Word of God does. And we're having an impact in our families, in our communities, in our cities, and out to the world. Amen? So we've been in this series titled Move to kick off the year. And today I'm going to close up the intro series. But it's not the end of this theme throughout the year. Um, we got something special for you guys. I know you guys saw that Nightlife is having a talk on relationships as we enter the month of February. So for the month of February, we're going to launch a new series titled Red Flags. That'll be here on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. And we're going to get to some relationships too. But we're going to show how God moves in your relationship. How God moves in your marriage. How God moves in a dating relationship. But how God moves in you being single. So we're going to take a look at all those things in our next series, Red Flags. But in this series so far, what we've covered is when God moves, we move. Just like that. God will often move in a way that confronts our way, yes. If we are not moving with God, we are moving away from God. 
And we also cover how God moves in mental health. So I'm going to continue uh, along on this series as we close this one up. Uh, the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Move Now. Move, comma, now, exclamation point. And it is important that you put the exclamation point on your notes. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So I'm going to tell you guys in advance. The Bible declares that the Word of God is our daily bread. The Word of God is our daily bread. Well, today, we're going to treat church like Olive Garden. We get nothing but breadsticks. You're going to eat. You ain't going to even need the entree. You're going to take it home. We ain't getting nothing but bread today. So just get ready. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be awesome. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothill, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take it, take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another day. Thank you for bringing us here together in fellowship and community. We understand that community is our blessing. Father, we thank you for your word given to us for correction, for rebuke, for maturing and coming into understanding of who you are and your will for our lives. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit be with us in this place. Let him remove any thoughts from our mind that may distract us right now. Jesus, we give you all the honor and we thank you for your sacrifice that atoned for our sins. We love you and we honor you and we give you all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give God some praise one more time in this place. All right. Thank you, man. All right, so let's set some context here. It's very important that we understand what's taking place. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I know a lot of times we look at these older books of the Bible at the beginning, we're like, we skip these because they are boring. That couldn't be further from the truth. This is where the action movies happen. This is where it gets exciting and deep. And we're going to unpack some of that. So Deuteronomy chapter 1 opens with Moses kind of doing a recap of what has taken place. This is after the 40 years. This is the beginning of the transition into the promised land. And Moses is doing sort of a recap with the people of Israel. And telling them like what we've been through, what we've gone through, and where we're at now. That's what's taking place at the beginning. So we see from verses 6 through 8 that God has given the Israelites a command to move from the place that they were camped. That it was now time to go into the land in which he has been, had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here, now, we're going to look at how they responded. That sounds pretty good, right? Right now it's time for you. Leave this camp. Go to the place that I promised you. Simple instructions. Should be a simple answer. But we all know the people of Israel ain't like that. So let's go. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 19 now. It says, then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Oreb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all the vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh, Barnea. Then I, Moses, said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you to. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Seems easy. This is very straightforward. I know some of you guys are listening to me right now like, Pastor Max, you're emphasizing something that's pretty obvious. Like it's telling like what happened. But let, let, let's pay close attention. So he said, go and take the land that has already been promised to you. Go in and take possession of it. Go. It should be very simple. 
But look, look what happens. Then, verse 22, all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us to bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. Verse 23, the idea seemed good to me. So I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left, went up to the hill country, and came to the valley of Eshkel and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Now, as I said, Deuteronomy chapter 1 is a recap. He's going through some quick things and the story's moving along. But to really see the report that happened, you got to go back. You got to go back to numbers, to what really took place. Because the recap, it sounds really good. It sounds like they did what they were supposed to do. It sounds like Moses said, go and take the land. They went, they took a look at it. Land is good. Everything is kosher. That wasn't a Jewish joke. It just happened. <laughs> Numbers 13. So, so let's see the real report. What really happened? Numbers 13, chapter, uh, verse 25. It says, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron... And all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So far so good. And this is when everything goes south. However... The people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they all dwell in this country. These are enemies of Israel. And the Canaanites, oh my God, the Canaanites. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. What's the problem here? They were scared. So there's a promise given to them, a promise from the Lord. Mind you, this is during the time, this is the people that have been delivered from Egypt, which was the strongest nation in the land. They have been set free from them. And here they are, about to enter into the promise. And the first thing that they do is allow doubt to get a hold of their mind. Oh yeah, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It has the fruit, but it got all those people over there. Them people don't like us. We, we can't, we, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we can go in there. And then verse 30, here, here's where Caleb stood up. See, Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up and, at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So it's, it's a total of 12 spies that go up to spy out the land. Ten of them are freaked out. Two of them walk in confidence. Two of them remember what God had already brought them through. That's Caleb and Joshua. But you got to remember, Caleb and Joshua were warriors already. See, Caleb and Joshua, they're down for the fight. They want all the smoke. They wake up ready to throw hands. Like, y'all, we, we won so many battles. Like, so many battles, it's not even funny. We totally got this. But the other guys, they're a little bit louder. Why? Because it's ten of them. They said, no, there's no way. We're not, we're not stronger than them. We both went to scout out the same thing. One sees victory, the other one sees doubt. But we're all walking together with God. Are you tracking so far? So we're all going with God. We've all had the same experience. But somehow when we get to a promise, when God is telling us to move from a place of comfort, one sees victory, one sees doubt. Verse 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report. 
They brought a bad report of the land and they has, that they had spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Talk about cap. Talk about being extra. Like talking about like just trying, you're trying your best now to deter people away from where God is telling them to move. You're allowing your doubt to become so big and so great, you don't want anybody else to go either. Because the thing is, if you're just scared by yourself, just say you're scared. Say you're scared. Don't go try to make everybody else scared. So that way you can try to justify your excuse of not moving with God. Because that's what we'll do, right? We'll try to make something sound so bad that everybody goes like, yeah, that is pretty bad. Yeah, I agree with you. And we're like, oh, whew, I'm safe. Thank you. <laughs> but the reality of an excuse, it sounds best to you. They were making an excuse as to why they cannot move where God is telling them to move. Verse 33, check this out. And there we saw the Nephilim. Ooh, Nephilim. The sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So the Nephilim didn't even see them. The Nephilim didn't meet them face to face. None of the enemies saw them or said a word about them. The Israelites made up for themselves in their own head what they thought the Nephilim would think of them. Oh, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't go pray for people. I'm not, I'm not good at praying for people. They're going to think I'm terrible. Sound familiar? Sound like something that we try to say to excuse ourselves from doing the thing that God told us to do? And we will create an image of ourselves and how people will perceive us, let alone like no one has said a word? We are the worst ones when it comes to looking at ourselves in the mirror going, I'm hideous. No matter how many people told you you're beautiful. I'm dumb. No matter how many people told you you're smart. There's no way. No matter how many times you've been given a victory. We will communicate the doubt louder to ourselves to dismiss us from the obedience of God. See, and after this report, the Israelites began to rebel against Moses because they start to stir the pot. Like, no, guys, we, we got a good camp. We got a good thing going. We're comfortable. We're chilling. Like, I see what's over there. Yeah, I know God promised all these things to us. But right here, I have control. Right here, I am comfortable. Right here, I understand. Over there, I'm unsure. See, and they began to stir that pot amongst the Israelites. And the Israelites began to rebel against Moses and against God. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26 now. Moses is talking. He says, see, but you were unwilling. You were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. See, when I read these things, I get it now. Like, I get it. I get why God was, like, so angry with these people. Because you got to look at the full context of it. I can just see God in heaven like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Look, I, ooh, oh, oh, I want to get rid of these people so bad. I promise I wouldn't flood them again. I promise I wouldn't flood them. But I can lightning bolt the heck out of these people. Like, I can just zing one so quick. Boom, gone. I can start this whole thing over. Nobody would even know. Because I know that's how I would feel that's how I would feel after I delivered you from your slavery for 400 years and set you free. That's how I would feel if I sent signs, miracles, and wonders in front of all these people. That's how I would feel if I led you up to the Red Sea and split it. I split it so you can walk through it. You walk through to the other side and I collapse it and crush the Egyptian army. I set you free. I move with you throughout the desert. I rain down manna from the sky. And here you are complaining about a promise that I'm giving you. Oh, I would nuke them. I would nuke them so quick. 
tired of you. But here's the question, church. Are we so different today? Are we so different from them? Doesn't it sound familiar? That God has set you free. He gave you power over sin. That thing that you cried out to him for with tears filling up your eye, your body shaking. He said, God, take it away. Deliver me now. And he said, boom, I gave it to you. And you walk right back to it. And then you blame God. See, God, it's your fault I'm back in this situation. Like, no, stupid. I told you what to do. I told you what to do. But look at what, listen to what they say. It's, they say the Lord hates us. How many times does God must hate me because I'm going through a hard time right now? God hates me. So the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They said the problem. They, they knew exactly what the problem was, but yet they denied it. The problem was their brothers came and put fear into their hearts. See, some of you, you're allowing people who are in church but not moving with God to put fear into your heart. See, because we can all be in the room, and I want you guys to understand that just because people are in church with you don't mean they're moving with you. You see, because some people, they are content with this. I know some of you, you're starting to get very itchy in your seat. Why are you talking about me, Pastor? Look, check it out. Let the word do what it do. Let the word of God do what it do. See, the thing is, some of us, you're content with just this. I show up on Sunday, I leave on Sunday. And you don't take church home. See, church is an experience for you, but you're not the church. And the thing is, for those who carry church as an experience, what they'll do is they'll put doubts into other people who are trying to move with God. The problem is, those who are trying to move with God, you're not getting roots into God, you're getting roots into the Word, or the world, should I say. You're allowing your roots to get into the world, so anything the world is feeding you, that's what you start to believe. It's like you guys who watch TikTok videos, and you allow TikTok preachers to preach their theology at you, and you're like, that's got to be the truth. They got 100,000 followers. Followers and disciples are not co-equivalent. See, you see, like a lot of people, they're influencing people, but they're discipling nobody. They're not living a life of a Christian. They're not following Christ. Yeah, they like to teach you a lot of stuff and say a lot of stuff. It sounds really good. But when I look at the fruitfulness of their life, I can tell that they're not following God. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, those who are trying to move with God, you're allowing doubts to be put inside of you, creating fear. As these Israelites are saying, they say, our brothers have put fear in us. They say the people are stronger. They say. So you have, you know, people like we're, we're discipling, we're saying, I think you're ready for the next, I think you're ready to be a life group leader. And people will go, well, no, I heard that's really hard. You heard from who? From people who are not life group leaders. So you've never seen what a life group leader is like. You've never fully experienced that life, but you're already running away from it because of what you heard, not because of what you know. How many times have we doubted a move of God in our lives and it delayed the move of God in our life? You cannot move with God and move with doubt at the same time. You cannot have it both ways. And this is what they're saying, like, where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. Who cares about height? <laughs> well, I guess that was a problem back then. Napoleon complex was crazy. <laughs> the cities are large with walls up to the sky. They're looking at Jericho. We even saw the Anakites there. Ooh, the Anakites. Wow. Moses said, then I said to you, 
Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. Moses is trying to remind them the times that God had already given them the victory. It's the same way as your life group leader is trying to remind you of times God giving you the victory. Same way that our RLU professors remind you of the times that God has given us the victory through the word. The same way pastors and other leaders are trying to show you God has given you the victory. The problem is you're allowing doubt to dictate your moves. Because you're unsure of yourself. And that's the truth. You don't believe that you can. But you don't need to. You need to believe that he will. He's telling them, like, right before your very eyes, God fought for you. Verse 31, and in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. Verse 32. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. We have to mature, church. We cannot be so short in our memories and our thinking. Where you've gotten healed, you've seen family members delivered, but because you're going through a tough time this week, all of a sudden you forgot everything that God did for you. God hates me. God doesn't love me. We live with this, what have you done for me lately, attitude with God. But when we, we, we settle in our spirit, knowing that God is our provider and our protector, and wherever he's moving us to, he has already prepared a way. So here's my first point. After all that. <laughs> Moving with God is also moving with God's timing. Moving with God is also moving with God's timing. So you, you see how much is there in this story in the word? That's what I'm saying. Like, the word is amazing. The word is the most epic story you're ever going to read. Ever. It is better than any Netflix show, any Hulu show. There is drama there and there's a lot more still to come. We're going to unpack it some more. But you got to get, get in it. You got to get in it and look at what's going on, what's happening in front of you. See, as we read the story, we see a behavior pattern continue with the people of Israel. But it's not so foreign to us, is it? This behavior pattern is not foreign to us if we're being honest. You know, as we look at it and we're like, okay, the promised land, God said go from here, go into the promised land. And they wanted to go and scout out the land. That seems reasonable. How many of you heard the story about the spies before? And that sounded reasonable, right? That makes sense to go out and scout the land. But when you think about it in the context of everything that God had already done for them, it's like, what's the point? What we really see is doubt. They doubt that God is going to continue to be with them. And you know why they doubt? Their disobedience. See, when you're living in disobedience to God, you start to doubt God a little bit more. But the reality is the doubt comes from yourself. Because you know in your heart of hearts you're not moving with God. And when we move in the direction opposite of God, that means he's not present. So that's where that doubt really comes from. Their disobedience had created this massive doubt in themselves. Like, uh, I don't know if he's really going to support us anymore. He did tell us that we're supposed to do what he says. And we haven't done that really. So that's where the worry and the fear started to come from. When you doubt the move of God for your life, you delay God moving in your life. When you're disobedient to the move of God in your life, you stop the move of God in your life. God told the Israelites, now is the time to go. Now is the time for you to move into the promised land. And you hear us say this often in this church. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Want me to prove it? Here, here, I'll prove it. Tell your kid to go take out the trash and let them tell you I'll do it later. Every chunkla, every belt, you ready to throw hands, you kicking in door like you swat. 
Boof, I said do it now. Right now. Let somebody tell you later. Excuse me? Like you have to check your hearing. You like cleaning out the earwax. Like, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> but for some reason, when God tells us to move now, we think we can talk back. Not yet, God. I'm not ready, God. I don't feel like it, God. I can't, God. I'm busy, God. I got too much going on. See, the, our problem today, the Holy Spirit will tell us to move, and we will allow doubt to enter our mind and delay the move of God that he wants us to make. The Holy Spirit will tell you, quit that job. That job is unethical. That job is destroying your spirit. That job is affecting your mind. It's affecting how you serve. You're starting to behave like the people in that job will say, but God, where am I going to get another job? Google? Indeed? Pick, pick something. I'm just telling you stop doing that because of what it's doing to you. The Holy Spirit's telling you break up, get out of that toxic relationship. You know it's destroying you. You know you're living wrong. You know you keep falling back in sin. You need to stop. But you know my hair curlers at his house. You know, I left my shoes at her house. And, you know, our friends, we got the same friends. Yeah, it's just too much going on, God. I can't. That's what we do. Oh, God, I will. I will. I'll just, I'm just believing for his change. Okay. Okay. The Holy Spirit is telling you to be generous. It's telling you to give. We, we act like, like tithe is torture time in church. The time to tithe, we're like looking at something else, like, oh, shoot, I got a text message real quick. I got to go to the bathroom. Like, it's uncomfortable in here. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll find a reason to doubt God. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this tithe thing. The Holy Spirit will tell you to forgive them. I can't. I can't. You don't know what they did, God. You don't know how bad it was. I, I can't forgive. I can't let go. And what's funny is like we, we, we're continuously praying, God, move in my life. God, move through me. God, use me. And he's been showing us how to do it all the while. See, we wanted to always be this big immaculate thing that everyone can marvel at when God moves. When God moves through me, it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to go, wow. God's going to tell you to move in the most simple thing. Pray with your family at home. Sit down and open the word with your kids at home. Preach to them, teach to them. Husbands, be men of the household. Be priests of the home. Wives, support your husbands. Stop fighting with each other in front of the kids. Stop causing problems. All you horny single people, <laughs> chill. <laughs> Go cool yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. I've been years to squeeze that into a sermon. <laughs> He's telling you to do the simple things. Quit the toxic habits that you have. Do what the word says. We had this talk, we had this talk in the men's meeting on, on, on Friday. The Bible is literally a manual to solve all of life's problems. And we don't use it. Everyone has one. We all carry it in our pocket. But if I go and check your app usage, what level, what, what does the Bible app rank? I guarantee you it ain't number one. I guarantee it ain't number one. Because if it was number one, your life would show that it does. See, I don't have to ask who reads the word and who does it. Your life will tell me. Because your life will begin to produce fruit. Because when you're in the word, the word actually starts to be inside of you. So it begins to change how I think, how I speak, and how I act. See, and when the word is within me, it increases my faith because I know God. I know that his promises are yes and amen. I know that if he called me and he set me up for this, that he is going to provide the things that I need to be able to complete his will. 
See, when God says a move, we cannot afford to allow doubt to delay us. There is a small window of opportunity for obedience. I want you guys to grasp this. You don't have your whole life to be obedient. If you want to see the fullness of God, you don't have your whole life. God is a God of next. Real quick. Like real quick. You doubt, God says, okay, no problem, next person. Like I'm going to find somebody who will serve my will. If you aren't ready to step up now, God will say next. Everybody track it. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I am doing something new. There's been many a people who got next. Moses got next because of the disobedience of the Israelites and that Moses was not able to lead them correctly. See, Moses had a mind where he thought he should appease the people. He tried to appease man and God at the same time. And you cannot have two masters. And that's the problem for many of us Christians. We're trying to keep our families happy. We're trying to find our level of Christianity that makes everybody comfortable. When you serve God to the fullest, you're going to make people uncomfortable. You are a light in dark places. It's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to shake some things up. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be different. You're supposed to stand out. People should be convicted when you walk into a room. When you walk into the room properly. See, we got this messed up idea of what conviction is. And we're like, well, I don't want to judge people. It's not judging people to walk in light. I'm not going to reduce my light and put a dimmer switch on myself to make you comfortable. However bright God wants me to shine, so be it. And that's what Moses struggled with. Moses was stuck in his place of appeasement, so guess what happened? Next, Joshua, you're the leader now. You had King Saul. King Saul was leader. King Saul messed up. Next, David. David, we all know he jacked up. Next, Solomon. Judas walked around with Jesus. Hung out with them. Turncoat. Next. Like, they got a new disciple within days. They were like, another one. It's not, like, God will dismiss you. He's like, I got 8 billion other human beings on that planet. And if none of them want to act right, I'll get a donkey. If none of them want to act right, I'll make a tree praise me. Like, come on. Like, we, we got to twist it thinking that God needs us when God wants us. And that's what we miss. Do you know God wants you? He loves you. He desires to have you. But he doesn't need you. It's a different mind. And see, when we think somebody needs us, we think we can take our time. No, you need me. I'll, I'll do it when I feel like it. Because you need me. And you get that pink slip on your desk. No, you don't. We don't need you. God will move to the next very quickly. God is telling you to move and you're saying it's not the right time. Move now. It's not the time, God. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough friends. I don't have the right job, the right career. My kids are too young. My kids are too old. My kids are in school. My kids have got sick. You, you got to stop using all these things as your excuse to dismiss you from the move of God. Are you hearing me, church? Yes. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Here's the second lesson we see. When God tells you to move, it doesn't mean that he told them. Are you tracking? When God told you to move, it doesn't mean that he told them. As I stated earlier... In church, you have some people who are pursuing the fullness of God. They are pursuing righteousness. God will speak to those who are pursuing him. Meanwhile, those who are not pursuing, he's not talking to them. You got to come after him. Our problem is, is when we're pursuing God, we're also thinking that we can pull people with us. You cannot make someone move who does not want to move towards God. You cannot force someone else's faith. 
I know it hurts because they're your brother, they're your sister, they're your cousin, they're your mom, they're your dad, and you want to see them. You want to see them pursue God with all that they are. You can't force them. Because the only thing that can change them from the inside out is the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important for you to be the light. That's why it's so important for you to walk in the spirit, for you to walk in truth, for you to have the word inside of you. Because you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit in that dark place. So if you want to see them transform and want to see them renewed and restored, continue to move in the direction that God is calling you. Because you cannot get somebody out of quicksand if you're in it too. can I save you from drowning if I'm first not solidifying on something stable? You're, you're, some of you guys are trying to drag people with you and you're like, I'm not getting to where God is calling me to. Because you're allowing your circle of influence and those closest to you to dictate how you grow with God. You have to protect what God has promised. When we allow other voices to get in our mind that aren't in alignment with God, they start to deter and affect our thinking. Those who don't know the Word of God will start to make up things in the Word of God. Well, I just think that God really meant this. And you know it's contradictory to the Word. Did God really say? Did He really say? Does that really mean? You know who else said that? Satan. He slid by Eve like, did God really say? He slid by Jesus, did God really say? The difference is Eve gave in to the temptation of the snake and Jesus fought it. See, Jesus brought the truth of the word back right in front of the devil. But when you don't know your word and you're not solidified by it, you will get swindled. Why? Because it sounds good. It feels good. That excuse, mm, I like that. That benefits me. God already told Moses that the land was theirs for the taking. Look back at Deuteronomy 1.8. See, I have given you. Not that you're going to have to go get. I have given you. Meaning it is already yours. This is yours. I have given this to you. Go in and take possession of the land. How often have you allowed someone else's negativity, someone else's doubt, someone else's fear, to ruin and deter you from moving in alignment with God. Because somebody else is scared. And you allow their thoughts, well, they're going to be upset with me. They're not going to want to talk. They're not going to want to hang out. I'm telling you guys, on this journey with God, it is not, we, we picture this walk with God. When we talk about the path that you're on, we see this smooth, clear path that's easy to walk down. First of all, it's not go, you ain't in heaven yet. The path that you're on is like a minefield. You're walking a narrow path down a minefield. That path is also bumpy. It also has rocks and stones and debris. That path has obstacles. And not only does the path have obstacles, that path also goes vertical. And the thing is, when you're walking on a path that starts to go vertical, it feels like you're walking far, but it doesn't seem like you're getting far. Anybody ever been on a hike? You start to go uphill? You're like, I'm putting forth... So much effort, I'm not really moving. I'm not really moving. It hurts. Everything burns. Me and Teresa, we used to live in Hawaii. And we, I would go for hikes. Beautiful hike, a place called Cocoa Head. And Cocoa Head had railroad tracks as part of the hike. And you start off, you're cruising. It's a narrow path, but then, like, it starts to get a little dangerous. The higher up you get, there's some drop-offs. Like, if you fall, you ain't coming back. You're just down. And then, like, you're growing, like, okay, I'm burning, but I'm, I'm cruising. And then it starts to get harder. Your chest starts to get tight. It starts to hurt. Like, oh, ooh, then it goes vertical. We're like, I can reach out and touch the ground and the wall in front of me. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm dying. It hurts. Go on without me. Just, ooh, thunder thighs and everything's burning and hurting. I'm crying inside. I want to die. Like, you get to the point where, like, I want to go back. Forget it. I made it this far. I'm cool. I'm just walking back down this hill. I'm done. But then you climb and you make it all the way to the top. And at the top is the most amazing view you've ever seen in your life. And you forget about all the pain and all the burning and all the hurt. You forget about all of that. Because you're just enjoying the beauty. I had to go through this journey 
But now I'm here at the mountaintop and I get to enjoy this beauty. To me, like this is like a mountaintop moment. Being able to look out at our church and see the fruit. To see the men and women who are going with God, who are serving God, who are dedicated. This is my mountaintop moment. I understand now that everything that I've gone through, all the pain and all the suffering, all the challenges and obstacles that I had to face, this is why. And it was completely worth it. And here's the best part about it. I get to this mountaintop and God taps me on the shoulder like, you made it? You like it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Climb that one. So now this is where my mind has to make a decision. Do I camp out right here and go, no, God, I'm satisfied? Or do I pick up my tent and move to the next mountain? Knowing the journey that it's going to take, knowing the obstacles that I'm going to have to face, face, understanding that. But is my faith in my own ability or is my faith in God who got me to this mountaintop in the first place? See, where you're at in life, God already got you here. Don't be foolish and allow the world's mindset to trickle into your thinking and now cause doubt and cause fear and cause a delay when God's putting another mountain right before you like, trust me, it's worth it. You think this view is good? Wait till you get up there. Just wait till you get up there. Yeah, you're going to have to walk back down and go back into a valley. You're going to have to go through another struggle. You're going to have to face some other heartache. You're going to run into some battles. You're going to see some people in there who are captive, and I'm going to use you to help set them free. And then you're going to lead the way up the new mountain. Now, up the new mountain, everybody's not going to go with you. Some are going to stay right there, side by side, step for step. Some, they're going to quit halfway up, and they're going to go back down to the valley. Some, they're just going to move a little bit slower, but keep encouraging them. But you have to lead. I need you to walk and know that I am with you and know that I am inside of you. Are you hearing me, church? We understand that we are working out our salvation, but we have to work on ourselves with the Holy Spirit individually. Again, I cannot save somebody if I'm in quicksand too. So understand that sometimes you're going to have to let people go. I can't imagine being... Joshua and Caleb, you were with all these people for 40 years. And now comes the divide. They can't go into the promised land. They are going to the promised land. So Joshua and Caleb had to leave people they knew for over 40 years to go into the promise. And some of you guys, you're having the hardest time because there's people that God is telling you to separate from. That you got to let go so that way you can move into the promise. And he's telling you, you got to move now. you got to move right now. The opportunity is going to close. Because the longer we delay, the easier it is to just stay away. And that becomes our new norm. But there has to be a point where we say, I, I love you. I care for you. But God is telling me to move. And God is over there. And God is going there. I'm moving with him. I can't stay here with you any longer. Whenever you're ready, I'll be there praying for you, loving you. But I can no longer stay here. It is time for me to move. I'm sorry about that, guys. When God says to move, we move. And we move now and we move with purpose. That's a phrase that we said in the military all the time. Move with the purpose. Because when, when the gunshots start going off, believe me, you wish you could run faster. I wish I was the flash or somebody. I like. But sometimes we're not acting like there's a war going on. And we're just strolling along. Strolling along. We're, sometimes we're not acting like souls are at stake. Eternity is at stake. we got to be reminded, souls are at stake. And we need to move with the purpose. Because souls are depending on, are you hearing me? And here's the last thing that you got to understand. When God says to move, know that he's already made a way. God is not walking you into something that he does not understand. 
He's not telling you to go over there and like, I have no idea what's going to happen when you get there. I don't know. I think you should go over there. It might be cool. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. No, no, no. He's made a way already. See, if you look at that story of the Israelites, every single day, every single day, a cloud directed them by day that said, go here, go there. This is where you need to be. They, they followed the cloud, and by night they followed the flame. Every single day for 40 years, God had already been navigating them. So for them to have that doubt that going into this new land that God wasn't going to be there was foolish. See, God has already been navigating your steps. He's been telling you where to go. Go here, go there. And for whatever reason, we think that into this new era, this new chapter that he's trying to navigate me to, he won't provide. That is a lie. He tells us, I am with you to the end of the age. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. I am with you. I am with you and I am inside of you. Stop relying on your own understanding. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't, it's not rational. And it's scary. I get it. I get that it's scary. But you know what? Do it scared. Do it scared. Because the blessing that you will receive will outweigh any fear any day of the week. Why don't you stand to your feet with me in this place? Everybody stand to your feet today. Those down here begin to lay hands on people, begin to speak life. And